I'm Becky. I'm Nicole. And this is the Twisted Sisters podcast. I think I kind of want to start off this episode with a little bit of production notes. So um, we record generally a week early. So the episode that you heard last week with Chrissy was recorded a week before. And that was before I went into, um, I won't say quarantine, because I'm not in quarantine, but that's before. Like, Isolation? City. Yeah, I went into um, what they're calling social distancing, but like physical distancing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was before I um, started working from home, which, yeah, I'm a chemist who works in a laboratory and I am working from home as much as possible. If, if I get samples in, I will go into the lab and um process the samples but um we're all um at home teleworking as much as we can and keeping in contact with our coworkers, coordinating who's on site when and like it's it's very interesting i've gotten a few messages um like just right now as we started recording like my phone is uh, anyway um but if we said anything, I don't know. If in if in, in any of these episodes we say anything that seems kind of outdated for when it posts, it's because it, it was a week ago. Just, I don't know if I needed to say anything about that because all three of us were in separate locations last time too. I, I think last week was okay. I think things are changing so quickly right. that even if we released this in a couple days, it would right. probably feel a little dated. Yeah. Because information changes. Right. Every- but also, so this week, our guest this week was supposed to be in the room with Nicole. Uh-huh. Or Nicole I in was the room with her. Super <laughs> bummed about that. Yeah. But because of the um, current pandemic and us all being responsible about um, not being within six feet of people who do not live with us, um, we uh, did it remotely. Or we're doing it remotely. Yes. So... Yeah. Uh, let's see. Was there anything? I think that's the only thing I want to say. Also, I, I, it's like so many of my like podcasts and such mention the current state of affairs, but I guess I don't, I feel like we can't not um, mention it, but also that's not what, it's not our focus, but of course we have to mention it, but anyway, so. It, it, it is, um, topical to the situation in which we discussed today in our unraveling yeah absolutely yeah so it does um yeah it's very topical so we'll mention it again <laughs> when, when talking we're, with betsy but yeah but we're uh, we're enjoying like I, everybody asks how i'm handling like social isolation so, i say social isolation uh social distancing, social distancing yeah i pretty much am a shut-in like I don't leave my house much. So for me, this is not a huge change. Like I went to the grocery store today and that was like one of the worst things to do, but that's that's one of the worst things I do on like a bi-weekly basis anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's something that's um so grocery shopping is something that we have to do anyway. And so it's like you just have to do it. Stay six as much as you can, stay Ugh. six feet away from other people, but like, like I was telling you earlier, um, Bruce and I went grocery shopping on Friday. <laughs> Sorry. Like <laughs> I probably had 
COVID-19, but it was before anyone knew what was mm -hmm. going on, or at least anyone in the U.S. Um, and so I'm like almost done, but there's still, I still get a little bit of shortness of breath here and there. So that's what that was. <sighs> anyway, um, I'm not an agoraphobic, um, but Bruce and I went shopping, grocery shopping on Friday. And this was after I was already, like that was my first day um, working from home. And I was just like paranoid about people. Like people were not keeping mm -hmm. distance. It's like I, multiple times I like stood, turned around toward a shelf waiting for someone to pass by. And like, I'm trying to be good here people. And then they were like, coughing kids and like i uh we got into the car after the last we went to two grocery stores because we go like we go to aldi and then we go to sprouts because i'm so jealous you have both of those things yeah i i live in the biggest city in the state um but um uh so we gotten out of sprouts got into the car and i'm like I'm so tired from that. Like, I'm not agoraphobic, but like people were just so close to me and like, I'm just like stressed out. And I'm like, I don't, like, I, I'm generally okay. <laughs> like, this is not so, but like, I have been from this, I have been more hyper aware and just more like, yeah, I, I'm, I guess I, I was about to say I'm not one to get panic attacks. No, I have gotten some panic attacks, but like, this has been just, yeah. Welcome to being a six. Right. I that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, this is probably what you feel like all the time. And I I've posted this multiple times when I see memes of people talking about like being overwhelmed mm -hmm. or panicky. And I'm like, welcome to my life. Yeah. Like this is yeah. if if you ever wanted to understand what it's like to be an Enneagram six, walk outside your house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like and it's funny. Um I was having this conversation with another friend yesterday. I think it was yesterday. I don't know. My days all blend together. Um, but it's like when really big stuff happens, I get this odd sense of calm. And I think it's because I just can sit back and watch everyone else go through the motions of what I go through every day and go, sure. oh, somebody else gets to worry about shit for a while. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. this is my vacation day. Yeah. <laughs> No, and then out sense. of nowhere, I get hit by something that I'm like, right. oh, I didn't know that anxiety was still sitting there. Thanks, brain. Right. Yes. But it is. if you have ever wondered what it's like to be in an Enneagram 6, that is mm -hmm. pretty much the state of the world right now. So you're always, are you always like, why is everyone else not freaking out like I am? Or why mm -hmm. is everyone else not like, yeah, why does, why does seriously? no one have a, like, why does no one have a contingency plan for X, Y, Z? Why does, why, do, why don't you have six kinds of Purell in your wallet? Why don't you carry a bar soap in a plastic tin in your purse? Yeah. You know, like yeah. I am, like, I have these, like my brain always works about 20 steps ahead. Mm-hmm. And I will formulate like every, and I think this is probably why the multiverse question uh -huh. uh, always makes so much sense to me because my brain creates those universes oh, cool. to, yeah, yeah. to figure out what could possibly happen. Sure. Um, it's not healthy. I'll be honest. Yeah. Really not healthy. Um, but I have essentially planned for every worst case scenario that could possibly happen to me. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I have a contingency plan for almost anything. Mm-hmm. Like whether they're actionable or not, that's a whole other story. Right. But like I have gone through the steps of like what happens if, you know, a giant meteor hits the earth? What happens if, <laughs> you know, like the purge happens, you know? Mm-hmm. My brain has walked me through all of those most of the time at 2 a.m. when I should be asleep. Yeah. But it is like the complete and total freakouts right now. Like everybody's like, I don't understand what's happening. And I'm like, oh, I do. Mm -hmm. I totally get this. Yeah. Yeah. Like we don't need 18 cases of toilet paper. Right. But I get it because I may already have three cases, but I stocked up on those two months ago. Also today, why can't I buy two loaves of bread? I legitimately need to have two loaves of bread. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh. But um, yeah, it's it it's an interesting time, I think, for those of us who are a six or have a six wing mm-hmm. um, or go to six and stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I bet so. Because I don't think threes, because threes go to six, six when they're healthy. Yeah, insecurity or like it, it's a kind of a like, and when I don't feeling secure. They might, and they don't get like, they don't, they don't get the super crazy part of the six. Like what, and what I'm describing Generally is probably not, right. not, not terribly right. healthy six behavior. So Sorry, like the, that. yeah. So like disintegrating nines mm-hmm. and fives with six wings, seven with six wings mm-hmm. or sixes. Yeah. Sixes who sit in that relatively unhealthy uh, spot, but not like, three and stress sixes just unhealthy right. sixes right. Ooh, yeah. and like and and there and i will say this there are positives to my over planning because we already have three cases of toilet yeah. paper yeah. two giant things of hand soap uh yeah. five different kinds of hand sanitizer uh all the cleaning products you would need yeah because that's that's normal day-to-day stuff for me like i always have a couple months of everything on hand because I never know what's going to happen, but I have a plan. Yes. Due to an overestimation um, mail order situation, I have a lot of toilet paper too. (laughs) Did did Amazon like super deliver crap to you? No. um, It's actually, (laughs) it's actually uh, who gives a crap. Oh, Okay. Um, and so we should actually probably switch over to using them. Yeah. Uh, so actually I got a shipment, mm, probably two months ago and it's just been sitting in my bathroom in the big box and it's 48 rolls. And, um, I, uh, and we already had, like, we'd gotten that much before, like mm-hmm. probably four months before that or so. And that was actually like, I actually increased the length of time between deliveries um, for that. And still it's like, oh, we still had plenty of toilet paper before that. So it's interesting because I'm like, oh, people are like freaking out about toilet paper when this disease does not cause nope. diarrhea. Nope. So I, it's, I don't know. I don't know. The anyway. bottled, bottled water, toilet paper. It's odd. Um. Like, like the, people, and the rando I, stuff that the store was out of today was yeah. interesting. I'm, I am working like, yes, I am home except for when I need to test samples, but people, I test public drinking water to make sure it's safe for you to drink, to make sure that tap. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. So the ones in Oklahoma, but there are people, there are 
me <laughs> in every state huh? who are doing the same thing. We are still testing samples. The cities are still sending in their drinking water samples to us to make sure that they that it's safe for you to drink. So unless you are one of those people who I don't understand who drank bottled water all the time anyway, you don't need it. There's n- it doesn't have to be tested like your public drinking water does. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, we have a we have a great filter on our fridge. Uh, the mm-hmm. people who lived here before have a revert had a reverse osmosis system installed on our sink. Yeah. So I'm like, we're good to go. I do have a a um, water filter pitcher that I have because I don't like the taste of the. Yeah, that's exactly water. it. Like, I'm okay with. I'm okay with the quality of it, like for health, like the health quality of it. I don't like the taste of it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Like we have really hard and really sulfurous water mm-hmm. and that does not taste good. Yeah. But yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I have been, uh, the camp that we went to uh, the elementary camp, um, in Washington that we'd go to like the summer camp there, um, had, rotten egg water mm-hmm. so i know it, i know what sulfur water it's like yeah, yeah it is not good. oh it's actually where we live now is not so bad where we used to live like it would make everything you cooked yeah taste like sulfur yeah. so like uh spaghetti with a side of rotten eggs not a whole lot of fun Ugh. i learned that after one mistake and because yeah. my husband kept asking he's like why do you insist on using filtered water to cook pasta and i'm like remember that time that it tasted like bad eggs that's it's why I insist on using yep. filtered yep. water. Yeah. Exactly. It's not going to kill us. It just, it just tastes, tastes bad. bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, And well, there is no amount of lemon that will make that taste better. Right. And ice cold does not, like, it mm. only takes a little bit of the edge off. Mm-hmm. So speaking of things that don't taste bad, <laughs> what are you drinking? I uh, actually have two beers because uh, I went to the grocery store today. Nice. And we can finally buy full strength alcohol at our, well, beer at our grocery stores. We still can't, we can't buy wine. We can't buy hard alcohol, but we can buy full strength beer. When did that um, change? Uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe. So we actually did that before you all did. Cause we did we, that in 2008. Oh yeah. No, uh, co- 16. We'll, 16. We'll talk 18? about this. We'll talk about this a little bit in the unraveling, but Colorado has some weird ass liquor laws. I didn't. Yeah. Well, and we didn't have Sunday liquor sales until about eight years ago. We hadn't. We just voted on that uh, when we at Super Tuesday in Oklahoma, or no, I think that was county. I think that was county specific. Maybe I don't think it was statewide, but Oklahoma County, where I live, Mm -hmm. um, just passed. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, well, I think we could buy at grocery store. It's, oh, anyway. We could buy, we could, okay. We could buy three, two at the grocery store. We could do until 2018. Now we can buy wine and a full strength beer at grocery stores and convenience stores, whatever, any store that sells things you drink. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, but we can only buy liquor at liquor stores liquor stores but liquor stores yep. could not be open on sundays mm-hmm. until we just passed that on super tuesday in it for oklahoma county and i think a lot of the counties in the oklahoma city area did that because they're like yes <laughs> so duh yeah. uh, my my favorite story to that is we were we were uh, on a road trip out to california mm-hmm. and we were on our way home we stopped in moab 
Uh, and it was a Sunday afternoon and we were at a little gift shop and they had some of their, uh, I can't remember what brewery it is, but it's their polygamy porter. And I'm like, I really want this. And I asked the guy at the checkout, I'm like, it's Sunday. Can I buy beer? And he just stared at me Mm. and he's like, uh, you can buy beer on any day. And I, and I went, Oh, that's so amazing. And he just kept staring at me. I'm like, no, no, I'm from Colorado. We can't buy alcohol on Sunday. (laughs) And he's like, but this is Utah and you can buy it any day. (laughs) I I mean, before we had, um, before we could buy beer or high point beer or full strength beer and wine in the grocery store in Oklahoma I went to it was actually three years ago I just got a notification on Facebook um went to Iowa uh to meet up with Amanda and Christopher and um and Jen and um I met Amanda at the grocery store and like in the liquor area like it's a kind of a separate area uh-huh. it's a liquor store that is attached to the grocery store mm-hmm. And you can buy everything there. I was like, what is this place? Yeah. <laughs> the, except, the, this. the exception to that, like Costco um, and Sam's Club could have one location mm-hmm. in the, in each, I can't remember if it's in the state or in each city. Um, I think it was in the state. They could have one location that had a liquor store, but mm-hmm. they could not in any way be attached via door like it had to be a separate entrance and exit from the main main store Mm -hmm. and i remember that was a big deal when that happened and that was probably 95 and then now like they don't even need they now that they can sell full strength wine and wine beer in grocery stores that changed for costco too so they don't have to have their separate liquor store anymore because they can now just sell it in regular costco yeah but again uh, anyway antiquated liquor laws and we will yeah. we will talk much more about that in the bonus episode yeah. so uh if you want to hear more about antiquated liquor laws specifically in the state of colorado uh join us on patreon uh five dollars and up gets you uh, some bonus content yeah. one dollar gets you in the uh, tavern five dollars gets you hot hot steamy bonus content yes um anyway, so, we're, okay, we're talking about drinking what i'm drinking beer, today right yeah i know man <laughs> oh, yeah i've really and i've only had one yeah so uh <laughs> i grabbed two because i wasn't sure how long these how long it was what yeah. was mostly how long it was going to take me to drink something because yeah. i've been out of beer for a while and i really wanted to have some um but i picked up some colorado beer at the grocery store today so i got a 12 pack of uh miscellaneous left hand beers so i have already had the peanut butter milk stout which I highly recommend if you can get it in your hood. Um, it is one of the left hands milk stout is probably one of the best milk stouts I've ever had. And then you add the peanut butter to it and it's just this rich, creamy dessert. Nice. Um, oh, so good. And then uh, what I'm opening now is their brewer's test kitchen, Moscow mule ale. This actually this is the reason I bought the mix pack. Ooh. I have not tried this yet. So uh, here we go. Yes. Do this. Enjoy that sound. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. That is good. It's um, it's well balanced. It was almost afraid it was going to be a little too almost IPA ish on the front side, um, but it balances well with the lime. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh God, this is good. I will. Uh, I will try to find some and send some to you. That'd be awesome. It's really good. Okay. 
Yes, um, ale with ginger and lime juice. I mean, yeah, that's all of my favorite things. Or well, right? Many of my favorite things. <laughs> it's, it's amazingly good stuff. Anyway, what are you drinking, Becky? Um, I am, um, so we don't have any beer in the house. Um, and beer is topical for this week, but um, we just don't have any beer in the house. Uh, so um, I am drinking a gin and ginger. Also so, delicious. Yes. Um, with my, I made it with my Zevia ginger beer and gin, and I don't remember what kind of gin it is that we have in the freezer, but it's a, it's a blended dry gin of some sort. Um, it's the kind that Bruce uses to make um, martinis with. So, but it's great. I like gin and ginger. I actually had one for the first time on an airplane, on a Southwest airplane, um, because I have like the rewards program um like the free one not like mm-hmm. credit card or whatever but um, no no they they're just their regular rapid yeah. rewards yeah i was like yeah okay and they like mm, two years ago maybe they sent me um vouchers for alcoholic drinks on the flight so the last time i took a flight on southwest i'm like yes thanks i will try this so yeah i'm i'm always enamored by people who can drink on airplanes i have yeah. control issues and i'm terrified that if i have alcohol while i'm flying that something very bad will happen mm. like i will not have full control of my faculties to deal with any crisis that arises sure so no, we're no, learning no. a whole lot about neuroses today yes <laughs> there are um, a lot of them <laughs> no, that's understandable and i get that i i mean i have issues with that too though i if i just drink one i'm fine so like in general, if I just have one alcoholic drink, then I'm I'm good to handle things that come my way. I might actually be a little bit like a little less thinky about it and it might actually be better. But um, mm. yeah, so but I totally understand that. I'm a control freak true at times. <laughs> so. Yes, I have control issues. I, I don't like to say control freak. Uh, my husband will say I am a control freak. Um, I have issues with not being in full control of my person. It's yeah. not that I want to control other people or oh. think that they do something wrong. Yeah. Um, but I. this is why I am not good at the drugs. Uh, mm-hmm. I have never experimented with illicit drugs because I am too afraid of not being in full control of my person. Yeah, I get that. I get that too. There's very few that I have tried. And yeah, I'm, yes. Yep. I feel that. I know all of that. (laughs) Yes. Like more power to the people who have fun when they do it. Mm Because I've had this conversation with multiple friends and they're like, but it's so great. And I'm like, no. 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 Like the whole idea of not having full control of my faculties is terrifying. Like I, I will drink. Uh-huh. But not enough that I do not have full control of my faculties. I yeah. If if I can just get to the point where the overthinking and anxiety is gone, mm-hmm. great. But if it goes to the point where I can't hold on to reality, <laughs> not great. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, escapism is not something I'm good at. No. I almost think that that's a that's a. Uh, win in the personality category sometimes yeah yeah i don't think that that's bad (laughs) so well uh oh fangirling oh my goodness we're talking a lot well i think that i'm pretty sure everything that i have talked about already probably sums up my fangirling because it's my week to fangirl anyway yeah um so alcohol alcohol and neuroses are what i am fangirling about right now 
being prepared already. <laughs> yep. Uh, my fangirling is being overprepared for the apocalypse. Very good. Okay. Just don't come to my house because I will not share. <laughs> yeah. Not my fault you didn't prepare. Great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into the unraveling then. Welcome to Unraveling. We are joined today by Betsy Lay from Lady Justice Brewing Company here in Colorado. Uh, they are an up-and-coming brewery who you guys have been brewing. You've been buddy brewing, correct? We, uh, we opened in 2016 on a small-scale membership model. And then we'll be opening a tap room sometime soon. And we will, we will definitely get to that um, the reason I wanted to talk to Betsy today is because Lady Justice Brewing kind of stands for everything that we are working towards representing here with the Twisted Sisters. It is a female-owned, operated, led operation. They have started from the ground up. Um, I have not tried any of their beers, but I am incredibly excited based on what I have read. Um, and I know that they are very community conscious. So uh, I'll let you kind of talk a little bit about how you guys got started, Betsy. Yes, so Lady Justice was co-founded by uh, me, by uh, Kate Power and Jen Cuesta. And the three of us were AmeriCorps Vistas together. So we were volunteering um, in, for a nonprofit in Arvada, just outside of Denver here. And our job was to do capacity building and fundraising. It was a service learning, uh, education-based nonprofit. And we were working in the middle of the recession. And this was a really cool nonprofit that should have had no problem uh, getting funding. And there was no money to be had for really any, any nonprofit at that time. So we would go to work and then afterwards, uh, every once in a while, when we had scraped together enough money, because we were all, when you're a Maricor Vista, you, you earn, you live on the poverty level of the city in which you serve. So we were each making about $10,000 a year doing this work. So when we had enough money to go out and hang out, we would, uh, we'd go to Vine Street Brew Pub in Denver and we would drink beer and just talk about uh, how much it sucked to try to raise money for nonprofits. So at some point, Jen, I think it was, you know, said, like, just look around this place. We're in the middle of the recession and this, this brewery is full and people are still choosing to spend their money on beer. She's like, we, we don't have a lot of money to spend, but when we do, we want to spend it on beer. So why can't, why can't the money that people are using to buy beer go towards these nonprofits? Like, what if there's a way to make this thing happen? Um, so that was just that idea. I, we were kind of drunk and I really don't remember much about anything afterwards, except for a little while later, uh, Kate and Jen had both, after AmeriCorps, Kate and Jen went to law school and uh, at separate places. And Kate uh, got in touch with us one day and was like, hey, you remember that idea we had about breweries giving money to nonprofits? And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> and, uh, but she's like, I really think this can work. I'm gonna, try it out and um 
you know, I have this law class that I need feedback on a business plan from. So what if I build a business plan about this brewery and just see what happens? So she went for it. She got really good feedback. And then um, when Kate and Jen, they both graduated from law school, they moved back here and back to Denver. And we, um, we sort of hit the ground running with it in 2014. We were brewing and doing our business plan. 2015, we did um, some fundraising. We did a crowdsourced Indiegogo campaign. And then in 2016, we sold our first memberships. So I can go into more about the membership model, but that's basically how we got started was, um, was really beer. Beer was the answer to a funding problem that we had. Was why why the, all of this started. I think beer is the answer to a lot of problems. <laughs> also, yeah. maybe the cause of a lot of yeah. problems. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Are you, I guess I have a question about, are you all three from Colorado or did you just happen to, that's where you were assigned in AmeriCorps? Yeah, Jen was born and raised here. Uh, I'm from St. Louis and Kate is from Maine. Uh, I, I moved to Denver in 2000 to go to University of Denver. And then Kate, I think, moved out here to do AmeriCorps. Um, so, but yeah, we all happened to get, um, you know, hired and placed at the same nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Uh, just a fun little note, um, Callie. Uh, so for you, Betsy, Callie was um, one of our original co-hosts. Um, and she is in Southeastern Colorado um, mm -hmm. working. She um, is, like, I believe, a director at a homeless shelter there and she has a lot of americorps volunteers that she who she manages oh, yeah. So, yeah americorps is great i think everyone should do it um we served at this nonprofit for two years um there's there's three different branches three or four different branches of americorps there's a traveling corps um there's a disaster relief branch uh so there's it's just an amazing way to serve your community and learn, really learn a lot about systematic uh, poverty and issues and, um, and problem solving and it makes you scrappy and I think a little bit maybe more sympathetic to what's going on in the world at any given moment. So I recommend that anybody do it. Um, it was it was good for me. I'm going to continue down this line just a little <laughs> bit more um, because we uh -huh. haven't talked about AmeriCorps on really on here um, very much. So um what uh okay so what age group does americorps so who is it for or what demographic or <clears throat> so the vista program which stands for volunteers in service to america uh i don't know that there is an age limit on it I, it might be 18 to 65 year olds are eligible to serve in that branch um that branch is stationary at one location and you can serve one or two year terms uh uh, the National Community Civilian Corps, NCCC, is for 18 to 22-year-olds, I think. Um, and they're the ones who travel across the country. They'll stay at a site for 10 weeks and um, do disaster relief or some sort of short-term uh, community-based project. And then there's state and national, which I don't know too much about, but I think they're similar to VISTA, where they're stationary and... Um, and doing some sort of internal um, capacity building in that way. So yeah, really there's options for um, for a whole lot of people. Okay, I think, I mean, that's the answer <laughs> I needed. So <laughs> Nicole, yeah. did you wanna, you have other questions you wanna continue with? 
Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the social justice model or the um, community model within um, kind of what you're doing with your brewery, like your community outreach. Yeah, so so we, uh, the best way to answer this is to talk about how we funded ourselves. We were, um, we did not want to put ourselves into a ton of debt for this brewery because we weren't really sure if it was going to work. Um, to have a business model where you give all your money away is not really something that, um, <laughs> like, banks want to fund, right? right? And so uh, we weren't really sure that this thing was going to work because we had not come across, um, in 2014, we had not come across any other brewery doing this. We had heard that maybe there was one in Portland and one in Texas that were trying a similar model, but we couldn't find anybody who was up and running and um, doing this work already. So we did not want to um, we didn't want to dump all of our money into a project that wasn't going to work very well. So what we did was to smart start really small. And so we did an Indiegogo fundraiser. Um, our external goal for that fundraiser was $15,000. Internally, we wanted to raise $20,000. And that was going to let us pay a couple months rent on a very small um, space and buy a one and a half barrel brew system and cover ingredients for a little while so we we launched our indiegogo campaign and we were fully funded in a week i wow. think and so people love beer so we were like okay yeah i was like okay maybe this idea is gonna work and we're, we're gonna be okay um so we we signed the lease on this 300 square foot room inside like an abandoned car garage essentially and um brewed out of there and so we we weren't big enough to have a tap room. We can't have a tap room in 300 square feet. So we needed something to, we needed a creative way to sell our beer. So we stole the community supported agriculture system, which is where you buy a farm <laughs> share and get their produce, you know. Um, and so we we're like, well, what if we did that with beer? Uh, people can pay a, a membership fee and come pick their beer up from us, which again, at the time in 2014, 2015, nobody was really doing that either um and so i remember we called the state of colorado to see if it was even legal to do this and they were like honestly nobody's done this before i don't know <laughs> we'll tell you if something <laughs> sounds fishy um, like, go ahead and do it and then we'll see <laughs> yeah so uh so we started our community supported brewing memberships and that's really how that's that's a big reason why we stayed so community focused and wanted to um it's just been such a big part of who we are as um, as our identity uh, all along. And, and um, I mean, we also, giving our money away helps us stay connected to the community too, obviously. But these memberships is, have proven to be something really, really special and really effective in terms of um, uh, meeting our mission of donating our money because our members will introduce us to nonprofits that they really love. And they, um, they, our members tend to be people who care very deeply about making sure their beer money goes to a good cause. And so they just show up for us constantly over and over again and, um, and prove that, you know, beer seems to work better when it's done in, in community. And then you guys have a, uh, a CSB campaign going right now, correct? We do. So, um, we, our 
we were gonna open a brand new shiny tap room um, for the first time. We we were in our 300 square foot space for two years. We grew out of that, and we shared tap room space with another brewery in town for about a year. And then um, we wanted to. We were just growing, so we wanted to open our own tap room. So we uh, we took we bought out somebody else's existing space um, in February, and our lease went into effect on March 15th. And then on March 18th, the governor <laughs> of Colorado put in the no drinking in and no um, dining ban for at least 30 days. Um, Denver's is in effect for eight weeks, but we're in Aurora, so um, we're, we haven't hit that point yet, though I imagine that we will. So uh, instead of opening up our tap room next month, we decided to launch a new round of memberships to help us um, cover the cost of overhead for the next couple months. And then also we will still donate out. Um, we're going to donate some money to the Aurora Mental Health Center to help with their homeless uh they have a program called the path program that is um that will sort of help aid people experiencing homelessness during this time and helping them get the resources they need right now so yeah it was a little bit of a change of plans but it's how we've been operating all along so it actually feels pretty normal for us um the the big difference is we are needing to sell about three times as many as we've ever sold before so we're just um trying to push that as much as we can and we will definitely link to that in our show notes. Um, I will try to remember to put it up on Twitter, on Instagram um, yeah. for all of our local listeners. I know there's at least a few. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a few. I mean, yeah, we have a, a few at least that who we can name off um, who are in our like in the Facebook supporters groups that mm -hmm. oh, we're cool. in. Um, so or our Facebook supporters group and the Facebook supporters group of our, like our parent podcast. Um, so yeah, there's a few there. And I know that there are more people who are listening in the Denver general Denver area, mm -hmm. the Denver driving yeah. area. Um, yeah. So that's great. And we've also had people who, who live out of state who, um, who either will send it to a friend of theirs or they will, um, They'll, they're just buying it just to support it. So even people out of state, if you know somebody in Colorado who wants some beer, you can buy them some beer. They can come pick it up. Um, yeah, if you would like show, to, yeah. if you'd like to buy a beer round, uh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> hey. yes, there you go, yeah, listeners. Wherever, if you would like to buy Nicole around or Callie around, or Callie, I can I get it to Callie. Can, yeah, she lives like four hours away, but it can get to Callie. Close um, enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh yeah. Um you can do that. So, um So do you have a specific charity that you donate to or is it like how do you decide what charity you donate to? There's two different ways that we do it. We will uh in our first few years of operation, especially we did this, um we have a grants a grants program. And so we have we have a grant um application for youth so girls 11 to 17 years old can fill out this grant application to uh, apply for money to participate in some program that they want to be a part of and then we also have a application process for um, nonprofits and so once a year we'll put a call out for those applications and uh, we will give money to um, to youth and to the nonprofits and so that changes every year. We get we get a pretty good pool of people every time we do it, 
And then the other way that we've done it is by choosing sort of a theme uh, ahead of time and choosing nonprofits based on that theme. And that allows our members to know who's getting the money before they decide to buy. So uh, we've done both of those models. Recently, we've done the we, we choose ahead of time model. Um, but our grants program is really great. So I hope that down the road, um, we can get back into doing that uh, regularly, too. I mean, definitely where you're located, there's there's a bit of arts. Um, and I mm -hmm. and I know the Aurora Fox Theater was really important to me growing up. So yeah yeah we did we're right in the heart of the aurora aurora cultural arts district and we um yeah the arts we had one of my most favorite grant applications we've ever received was from a 17 year old girl who was part of Sutiatro, which is in denver mm -hmm. and she was raising money to go with her theater troupe to scotland um and her grant application uh she's a latina girl who was just talking about learning how to be proud in her skin and how to um, allow her culture to, to bring a really important message to people all over the world and how she, she was gonna use this opportunity to teach her younger cousins how to be proud of their brown skin. And it was just like, everybody who read this grant application was just like bawling by the end of it. And so uh, that was, yeah, that was one of my absolute favorites that we ever gave me too. That's so awesome. Um, mm -hmm. So shifting gears just a little bit, unless you had any other questions, Beck. Not currently. Um, I want to talk a little bit because it's refreshing. And I hate using the word refreshing. That sounds pandering. But it's always nice to see women in a more women leading in a male, more male dominated industry. Have you guys run into any issues with that? Do you notice that it's harder for, to get representation? Um, because I know in the, like the Fort Collins Greeley area, the brewing industry, it, it's shifting, but it is, it's a, it is a boys club up here. It still is in Oklahoma yeah. city as well. Yeah. And I mean, even uh, the Brewers Association has numbers on this. Uh, they're, they did benchmark or they did um they did data last year specifically around diversity in the brewing industry and i think it's um two percent of all breweries are only two percent are owned solely by women and i actually think that number is high because if i'm doing the math correctly that's around 146 breweries and i i haven't seen those numbers mm -hmm. i haven't come across that many um, they could be hiding out there. Uh, there are a lot of breweries around, but yeah, so, um, 2%, I think on the high end are solely owned by women. And so we know that we fall in a really special category with that. Um, and then 7% of brewers are women. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, uh, 46% of breweries are owned, have female representation in them, mm -hmm. which is great. Um, a lot of that is like brother, sister, husband, wife teams. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's only, uh, there's only 2% that are owned only by women. And so, uh, with lady justice, we hit both of those categories. We have, um, female, only female brewers currently, and we're, um, solely female owned. And so we know that we're very special, um, in terms of those designations and yeah, I mean, 
I think the I think the industry is changing. I think it's changing quicker, qu quicker in like larger metropolitan areas. Um, I know the Brewers Association is trying to tackle issues of diversity and representation um, on their end. And so we run into being in Denver. We're we we are lucky. Four of the fully female-owned breweries are in mm -hmm. Denver. Um, there are so many women who are who are working on the brewing end uh, in in the Denver area. So it's easier for us to um, do this work here. I've I've heard so many stories of women who are um, in maybe smaller cities or out uh, out on their own who have different experiences. Uh, but still, you know, women in women in Denver who work in the industry are constantly subject to harassment and assault in their job and in all sorts of different forms. So that's something that we always try to help fight and being fully female owned and, and operated, we are in a special position, I think, to offer some, some shelter and safety when we can and just sort of be a community leader in terms of um, combating this stuff whenever we can. But on a day-to-day -day working basis, we don't, we don't experience a lot of that. Um, we don't experience the harassment and the assault that other women might experience on a more regular basis. But we do know it happens. Um, the place where we see it the most is actually at beer festivals, mm -hmm. where um, we are, where people don't choose to have us, you know, where the crowd isn't in charge of who is there and who isn't. And so we'll get, you know, a couple hours into it, we'll get, um, you know, just drunk assholes who who have an opinion <laughs> about all sorts of things. So that's when we see it the most. Um, yeah, any time where where people have had just a little too much to drink and think that they um, that they have something really new and smart to say about <laughs> women brewing <laughs> is when we see it. Or um, women in general, but probably. The, but yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's not just a women of brewing issue. It's um, it's it's broader than that. But we have a lot of great men in Denver who support us so much, and our. Our membership, we're about 50-50 uh, male, female, and our um, representation of our, uh, our memberships, and we've always been that way. So um, we, we do have a lot of good dudes who are trying to help shift this model too, which is really important because um, it seems even though the industry is shifting and, and maybe people are starting to pay more attention to these issues, it's still because of the the work of the women that this is happening. So um, I would love to see more men starting to speak up on these issues and starting to hold uh, hold people accountable for um, what they see and, and what they do. And so I think that's when we'll start to see a big shift in the culture is that when men start to take this seriously as their issue and not as um, the issue of the women who are dealing with it every day. Yeah. I I think that leads really well into um, how uh, into the question: How can men support women in in your um, context? Would be in the brewing industry, but I would say women in if if there's something you can talk to women in general um, becoming more of a, uh, a a major part of industries in general or um, society, like. We, I guess I'll preface this with, 
our parent podcast that I mentioned before is actually done by three men in Indiana. And so they mm-hmm. did help us to get this podcast started and mm-hmm. like funded us um, to get started and left it up to us how we um, do the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. How have you seen men in the brewing industry there in Denver or just in general help out um, women getting started and then also what kind of um, advice would you have for men who want to help out? What's the best course mm-hmm. of action for them? Yeah, I mean, I know in Denver, there's just a lot of men who respect the work that women are doing in the industry. So uh, when I when I go to collab brew days or sat by somebody else's brewery and I'm talking to the owner or the brewer and they're a man, most of the time, you know, 99% of the time, they, they know that um, we're colleagues and we're on the same level. And I, and I think that's where it starts is just uh, recognizing that women are capable of doing anything that men are capable of doing. Um, and that it, it sounds so like simple, but a lot of times I think there's, I don't know, some, some people feel threatened by it or put off by it, but uh, I don't know the logic behind it. There is no logic behind it. Right. So, um, <laughs> So when it happens, just so asinine. But uh, yeah, so I think um, I think the best thing that that men can do is to understand that their their privilege in this and their power in this um, still exists, and they hold a lot of weight. And so I think it's up to men to understand that maybe it's time to make some room um, and. In, and there's all sorts of ways you can do that. I mean, anywhere from just like changing how you talk about women uh, with your friends or uh, making large systematic changes in how you do hiring in your business practices and, and HR, having a, having a good place. Because the, the, the thing that I hear the most coming from women in the industry is that they don't feel like they have a platform to report things that happen mm-hmm. to them and they don't think that they are believed mm-hmm. most of the time. And so I think it's up to um, the people running these businesses to really offer that platform. And I also think, you know, there's, that's, this can be said across the board for issues of race and gender, um, binary, non-binary, and all sorts of sexual orientation. Like it just falls in every category, right? So any time that we have people who are underrepresented in the industry, it's just really up to those of us who have power and privilege in, in those spaces to be able to, to, to open up the floor and, and have um, just, you know, just make the circle wider, I guess. Wider, not whiter, wider. We <laughs> right. do not need more white people brewing. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of white people brewing, but there's, that is one thing that I have noticed in the, Denver Aurora area is there are a handful of uh, Latina or Latino owned brewers that are doing some amazing things. Yes, uh, there are so many. Got my favorite one is Raises, my little sticker right here. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, and we are uh, we are part of that. Um, we do have Latino representation in our um, in our founders and Jen. And uh, there, there are a really good handful of um, Latino-owned uh, breweries in Denver and Colorado. And Race, this is one of them. And they're, they're really doing a lot of work t- 
to push those boundaries. Um, they founded Suave Fest. Uh, it's coming into its second year. They got a diversity and inclusion grant from Brewers Association to start that festival. Um, so there is work being done by some really great people. And that's why I actually really love where our new tap room is located because it sort of gives us the opportunity to expand um, how we represent the beer culture in Aurora. Um, there are, actually aren't that many breweries in the Aurora city limits, mm -hmm. there's eight or nine. Um, and so we're in a position to sort of open that up and, and that is, you know, as Lady Justice, we do have a lot of white um, representation and a lot of white people drinking our beer, which is great, but uh, we would love to be able to, um, you know, walk the walk a little bit on that and be able to um, just sort of be a platform for expanding access and representation in, in the tap room. And um, I'm not exactly sure what that looks like yet, but it's definitely um, a high priority for us to just get, to have more diverse people walking, a wider diversity walking through the door than, than what you might see in, in other breweries in the area. That's right. Well, and um, for, for people who don't live in Colorado, the, the Aurora Cultural and Arts District, where Lady Justice, where their tap room is going to be, is a very interesting and diverse area, or at least it used to be. I haven't lived in the area in 20 years, yeah, but it still is. Yeah, I think there's something like 130 something nationalities um, represented in the area and a hundred different languages spoken. And so it's just such a cool, rich area. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there to really help that community um, represent its, yeah, its art and its culture. And that's exactly what that district, that's exactly what the city of Aurora is trying to do. And I've been in meetings with the city and, um, and I actually do think they're approaching it the right way. They're, they're trying to be really mindful of, of um, how, how this district um, supports the people who already live there. Mm -hmm. And I think and I think they're trying to be mindful of gentrification and making sure that um, that they're honoring uh, the history and the culture of that neighborhood as it exists now, and not trying to not trying to bring in um, stuff that already exists other places. You know, so we'll see what happens there. Well, it just makes me happy to see the city that I grew up in really is is trying. And, and it has people that are so passionate about trying to preserve that part of Aurora, I think. Mm -hmm. Because when everybody thinks of Aurora, it's, you know, it's usually more like the southern part of Aurora, the very, very suburban uh, area. And they think a lot of people forget that, you know, old Aurora and North Aurora mm -hmm. have... They, they have some amazing restaurants. They have amazing breweries. They have amazing people. So I am yeah. I am so happy that you guys are where you are. I know that your location has had a couple of other breweries in it previously. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So it definitely, it, I mean, it's it's a neighborhood for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's uh, the, when we first announced this was our location, a lot of people were like, you know, uh, two other breweries couldn't make it in that spot. <laughs> yeah, what the hell do you think you're doing? And um, really, it's just a matter of, yeah, they're, 
there are some some issues to pay attention to and some some things to fix there but there's also um behind the scenes stuff for why mm-hmm. those breweries mm-hmm. maybe didn't make it or didn't want to stay there any longer i mean so i'm not i'm not terribly worried about that um the neighborhood has been really welcoming and wonderful to us and the businesses on that block are just so they're just so great and um i'm really excited to see when we finally get to open what um what's going to happen there because i actually think it's going to be really special i do too i'm so excited for you guys uh, Thank you. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what beers you have available currently with your CSB? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the membership, we try to keep our membership beer a little bit special and exclusive um, when we can. So what we decided this time around, there are, there are 10 taps at Lady J in the new tap room. So we were going to fill all 10 of those for our opening. So what we decided to do was to take two off we we had two hazy recipes that we're gonna not we're gonna hold off on because they don't um preserve as well mm. and then so we're gonna have eight beers available four of them are gonna be exclusive to the csb members and then four will be available for just public to go pick up so the four um membership beers are let me see if i can do this without looking um they are the uh la maestra which is a margarita goza which we usually yeah and we we usually put that in a tequila barrel so at some point this summer that'll get put into a tequila barrel and it is amazing uh then there is i think chosen family which is our uh esb which is a, a old school british um british beer then there is the simply the beast which is double ipa and uh i don't remember it's on the <laughs> website yeah i can look it up uh and then there's one more in there that's oh our rose blonde which is just amazing um it's a blonde ale with rose extract and it actually brings out um uh, hints of vanilla so it's a little bit flora floral and then vanilla and then this just really great base blonde um and it's oh god it's so good i cannot wait to drink that beer and then for so members get uh it's 750 milliliters so it's a wine bottle amount of um beer of each of those and it comes in a four pack and that's 60 dollars so that's what members get and then our just to go beer for anyone to come by and pick up will be a lager which is brand new we've never had the ability to lager before because we've never had the um temperature control before so we'll have a lager we'll have our sandra day ipa which is an ipa that was named by sandra day or connor so she, her she, she got in touch with us and actually named this beer which was really cool awesome and then, yeah it's way cool when it happened we didn't believe it we're like what the hell <laughs> uh, it's, really, it's a great story I'll, I'll tell you in a minute so uh sandra day ipa our lager which is not yet to be named um our for the record stout which um, it was one of our very first releases. So is the Sandra Day. And then the fourth one is a, oh, um, Merkel's Thursday, which is a, which is a, a German wheat beer nice. that is named after Angela Merkel's. Yes! And then um, the Sandra Day O'Connor story, when we were fundraising, um, when we were doing our Indiegogo campaign, 
we had uh, the American Bar Association had a blog and they wrote about, they just said like, hey, there's some lawyers, I'm not a lawyer, but Kate and Jen are both lawyers. There's some lawyers opening up a brewery. Um, what would you name your, what would you name your legal themed beer if you could? And so people were, were writing in with like all of these name suggestions. And we got this um, email from some guy with the last name O'Connor and the subject line was mom wants Sandra Day IPA. And <laughs> Kate, yeah, I w uh, Kate will admit when she checked that email, she was just like, I don't care what your mom wants to name a beer. Like, who is this guy? I don't care. And then she read, she read the email and she was like, oh my God, this is Sandra Day O'Connor's son. So she had she had come across the blog and she was like, well, I want to name one Sandra Day IPA. And so, uh, so Sandra, Sandra's son wrote us and said, Hey, if you actually are going to name an IPA, uh, my mom would like it to be named Sandra Day IPA. So, uh, so that's great. And actually we got, we haven't gotten the beer, uh, directly to her, but, uh, she has, uh, she has some family who lives in Denver. So nice. she has had some family who have tried the beer, which is pretty cool. Well, I feel like this is probably a good place to end, um, end our unraveling on. Betsy, do you want to hit one more time, let our listeners know where they can find you, how to contact you about mm -hmm. your CSB? Mm -hmm. Yeah, ladyjusticebrewing.com is where you can find the CSB membership. There's a button in the top right-hand corner that says CSB membership, and it'll explain everything that you get and how to pick up, but if you have any questions at all, get in touch with us via social media. We're um, active all the time on Facebook and Instagram at Lady Justice Brewing. And then you can always email us info at ladyjusticebrewing.com. So there's lots of ways to get in touch with us and we encourage it. We always want to be in touch with our people. And I will make sure to post that on our Facebook, Instagram, and our Twitter because I think it's important and not just because it is in a place that holds special meaning to me. Um, I also yeah. think that it is important to support uh, women in brewing and I especially support you guys, your mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, right now with the COVID stuff, um, supporting Lady Justice and supporting any local business that you can right now is really important. Like these memberships are, are going to be the reason that we actually get to stay open. And so, uh, if lady, if a lady J isn't membership, isn't right for you, that's great. Just make sure that you're going out, um, and supporting safely and <laughs> with great distance. Um, if you can do pick up beer, uh, to go beer, delivery beer, um, you know, order in restaurants from your favorite Asian places down the street. It's just really important to do that stuff if you're able to do it um, because uh, this is going to shut down a lot of places, maybe permanently. And so the power of consumer dollars is really important right now. So if there's something that's really important to you, put as much money towards it as you can because it, it might actually save them. episode was produced and edited by Becky Seville. Our theme song was written by Michael Basinger of the Inglorious Pastors podcast. Check out their podcast on whatever service you're using to listen to us. Our theme song cover was done by Key and Nuts, and our outro music was done by Andy Moore. Become a patron at patreon.com slash twistedsisters to get into our private Facebook group, The Twisters Tavern. 
And don't forget to leave us a review, five stars, please, and write us some words about why you like the podcast at Apple Podcasts.